Welcome to the Living Savior Church today. Praise God. We're having a nice winter. <laughs> it has been kind of warm, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Just a little bit warm. Praise the Lord. But I love it. You know, you know it really... Uh, before we get started, I want to take a testimony or two if some of you have one, but... I think about last evening when Dave and I was looking for some stuff and I couldn't find it and asked the Lord to show me where it was. I drove over to my other place and looked in the barn over there. I thought that's where I might have put it and I couldn't find it. And I drove back over to the other barn where we live and I looked everywhere got a big barn, so I, but I looked everywhere, couldn't find it. And so I'm continuing to ask the Lord. Lord, you told me to ask anything in the name of Jesus, and you'll show me where this is. I said, Lord, I can't find what I'm looking for, and I told him what I was looking for. In fact, what I was looking for was some hydraulic hoses. I said, I know I got them, and I don't know where they are, but I sure do need them. And so I kept thanking him, asking him, thanking him for the answer, and all of a sudden, just as clear, I said, Lord, please tell me where those things are. I said, Lord, thank you for showing me where those are. And all of a sudden, in my spirit, now I didn't hear an audible voice this time, you didn't look in the barn where you changed those. You only looked in the big barn. And I thought a minute, and I thought, that's right, the little barn that's on west of there, that's where I changed those hoses. I wonder if I left them there. So I told Dave, I said, Dave, the Lord just prompted me in my spirit to look in the little barn. I said, you want to ride back over there with me and, and see if we can find them? He said, sure. So he jumped in the truck with me, and we go over there, and we pull up in front of the little barn. And as soon as we pull up, he said, there they are, laying right over there on the side. He saw them right there. So I go over there and get the hoses, put them in the truck, and we start back to the house, and I'm kind of praying, talking to the Lord. And he said, I said, Lord, you know, I had to have those hoses to be able to do all this work. And he put in my spirit, you, you children of mine have completely missed what I have designed for you on this earth. Y'all have completely missed it. And I'm thinking, what does he mean? We have completely missed it. And I get to thinking, Lord, you gave man the ability to build and design all this equipment. And he laid on my spirit, are you sure? And I'm thinking, Lord, where are we going here? You know, I love, I love living today. I love... All the equipment I have, and as I work, and this last week we've worked outside a whole lot, and I have thanked him and praised him for the equipment that I have to be able to do all the work that I needed to do outside. I was thanking him and praising him. But all of a sudden, we were, I, was, I said, Lord, I need this to be able to get around. I need the equipment to be able to go places. I need cars and things and so forth and trucks to be able to get things done. 
And all of a sudden, he said in the book of Acts that I have to use a car to transfer Philip from out there where he was talking to the eunuch to another city. I said, well, Lord, all I know that Philip was walking along there and the Spirit spoke to him and said, go up there and ask that eunuch driving that wagon or riding in that wagon if he understands what he's reading. And so you just ran up there and jumped up and said, you know what you're reading? He said, how can I? Except someone explained it to me. So Philip jumped up on the wagon with him and explained to him what Isaiah was saying about how to get saved and everything. And so the man driving along the way said, stop, driver, stop. There's water right there. I want to be baptized right now. I want to be saved and be baptized. So Philip took him down there and took him down in the water and dunked him down in the water and raised him up. And when he's rejoicing and praising the Lord, he turned and looked, and Philip's no more. He's gone. The Lord was through with him. He had a job for him in another city, 25 miles away, and immediately Philip was translated into another city. He said, y'all have completely missed it. You have not walked by faith. He said, if you're walking by faith, then those scriptures that I talk about, that if you can believe, Nothing shall be impossible with you. I said, Lord, I don't, even, I don't even go there, do I? He said, no, you ain't even touched it. You ain't even touched what I've provided for you. You talk about being challenged, Ernest? That challenges me. He said, if you really believed what I said... You wouldn't need to go get in the car to drive to another church. If you had real faith, you could just walk in and say, Lord, I got my Bible, my outline, and I'm ready. Now translate me over to 113 and a half Fox Street. That's where I'm going to preach tonight at 7 o'clock. And it's one minute till 7, so I'm ready. Thank you, Lord. Bam. Open my eyes, and I'm standing there. Would that be awesome or would that be awesome? And I told Dave, I said, it would be much cheaper, too. <laughs> Might not be quite as much fun because it would be instantaneous. But I think about this book that God has given us and what he's provided for us. And the more I read this book, the more challenging this book comes to me. I mean, I thought, you know, a few years ago when I stepped over and saw my first person healed, I thought, man, this is awesome. God is still the healer. And then I learned through the, my study that God not only healed us, but he provided power for us over the demonic spirits. And them boys have to be subject to me and you now. And so we were talking there a while ago and about how Satan had deceived one-third of the angels and and pulled him over and everything. And one of my brothers here when I was talking. And he's talking about a majority. And I said, you know, but the thing about it is. The thing about it is with us. When we get a hold of the fact. That Satan is totally defeated. In fact, one of the brothers here in the church. Had learned something this last week. About Satan being defeated. And how the Lord became a man and so forth. And he's telling me all that. And <clears throat> I told him, I said, the first tape I ever made in my life was an hour and a half about that very subject. That's a, that is the first teaching I ever done, and I called it the cross. 
but I've now taken it completely off, and I've taught that so many times in several other places. But it's amazing how that we don't know this. We don't understand how it works. Just like I told him, I said, you know, it, with you and me, I was talking to him. I said, you and me, two of us, but it don't make any difference if I'm by myself. Aunt Satan can bring his entire one-third angelic host with him, and with me and Jesus, we're a majority. You know that? If you let the devil intimidate you, if you're by yourself, you've got to realize and get a hold of the fact that your brother is with you and he never forsakes you and he never leaves you. You've got to remember that. He's with you. He's in you. He's the most powerful thing in the universe. And he defeated the devil 2,000 years ago for you. And as we were talking, I told him, I said, if that's one of the scriptures says, and it took me a long time to realize what the scripture meant in 1 Corinthians 2, when it said, if Satan had have known what he was doing, he would in no wise have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, I'd read that and I'd think, I don't understand this. I didn't understand it then. <clears throat> but after a few hundreds of hours of studying all over the book, finally one day I remember sitting there years ago. I'd been studying the Bible for years and years and years. And I'll never forget this day as long as I live. I sat back in my chair at my desk and I reared back with my eyes closed and I said, Lord, would you please show me the order of these things and how they've come to pass? And in the next few minutes, or however long it was, I don't know, I was afraid to open my eyes because I was seeing a complete list of how everything was happening and how they fit in. And it just blew me away to sit there and see that vision that God gave me. I thought, Lord, this is awesome. The communications you have with us, if we'll just seek you in your word and put you first, you will communicate with us and show us great and awesome things that we know not. But I didn't tell anybody about it because I thought, man, my Baptist brothers and sisters, if I tell them this, I, when I told them that we could get healed, they'd like to throw me out of the church. I said, Lord, I can't believe this. So I now then... I'm going to start telling them that I've had visions and dreams and God talks to me. No, 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 I ain't going there. I ain't going there because I don't want to get thrown out. You know? <laughs> Praise God. You know, but you keep up, you keep on and keep on and keep on. And as you keep on and keep on, you begin to learn more and more and more about these awesome things and then when the Lord's revealing to me, you've missed it. You haven't even begun to get where I wanted you to be. If you would get to the point, if you would get to the point where you really, where I want you to be, your faith would be at the point where when you needed to be somewhere else, you by faith and would speak to me and I would translate you and you'd be there in a heartbeat. You wouldn't have to have any automobile. You wouldn't have to have equipment. He said, when I made man, did I give him all this equipment? Did he take care of the earth for thousands of years without it? I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, don't you think you could do it now without it? I said, Lord, it sure does seem easier with it. He said, yeah, when you're using it from the world standpoint. You're not speaking in faith. 
He said, when I made the earth, I gave you the earth and told you to reign and rule over it. And I didn't give you no equipment except a mouth with words in it. Is that true? I thought, Lord, I haven't even touched the surface yet. I have just barely touched the surface of what's available. I mean, after all, just think. I think about back whenever I walked in the hospital when they told me Caitlin was going to die. It's over. I had a choice to make, and I made the right one. But I think about another man in the Scripture had the same choice. He went over and said, Lord, my daughter lies at home very sick, and his name was Jairus. He said, would you please come over and heal my daughter? He said, sure, I'll go. No problem. He didn't say, no, I don't want to go. Maybe next week. No, he said, I'll go. So he started over there, and all of a sudden, a little woman came through the crowd that had an issue of blood 12 years, and she thought within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. Now, he didn't even know she was there. She reached up in that crowd of people, thronging him and touched in faith his garment, and instantly power flowed out of him, and that woman was instantly made whole. And he turned to her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has done it. So when you touch the king in faith, real faith, what happens? Awesome things happen. And then all of a sudden a man runs up and said, Don't bother the master no more. Your daughter's already dead. She died earlier. Jesus looked at him just as calm and he said, J.R.S., have no fear. Don't go there in fear. No fear. But Lord, did you hear what my servant just said? He said, my daughter's dead. Well, you got a choice to make now. You're going to believe him or you're going to believe me. I told you not to fear. Who are you going to believe? Well, Jesus goes over there and they walk up and they said, she's dead. He said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And now then all these mourners begin to laugh. Isn't it amazing how quick they can change? Paid mourners. I've never understood that. But anyway, they begin to make fun of him. And now then he picks a very select team. He don't just take everybody. He only takes a very select person. And he goes into that room and he looks at this little dead girl, 12-year-old girl. He said, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she got up. He said, give her something to eat. Now then, just think about that. When it comes to faith, Think about the things Jesus did. Spoke to the fig tree. Spoke to the lepers. Did everything. And everything happened. Just like he said. And then, with that kind of faith, he comes to you and me today under the new covenant that he gave to you and me and makes that awesome statement he makes in John 14, 12. How many of you know off the top of your head what John 14, 12 says? Only a few of you. See, let me, let me ask you one more time. How many of you know if I call you up here, you, and if you, I may do this. So don't hold your hand up unless you know. 
How many of you know you can quote John 14, 12? If you know you can't, hold your hand up. Okay, very few of you. Okay, now, let me tell you, that scripture says, Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, to anyone that believes in me, not only shall you do what I have been doing, but greater things than these that I've done shall you earnest do in my name. That'll challenge you, won't it, brother? Did I lie to you, or is that what that word says? Exactly what it says. Now, now then, that challenges me every time I look at that. I think of the things Jesus did, and now I begin to understand what the king was revealing to me, how bad I've missed it. Our confession is so wrong. And also, as Dave and I was talking last night coming back, I said, you know, Dave, Jesus gives us a measure of faith to get saved. And we get saved. I said, then you know what's wrong with us after this? I said, I've made this statement many times. I don't know how many people remember it, but I'm going to make it one more time. The problem is not a lack of faith after you get saved. That's not the problem. The problem is a lack of knowledge of what's yours in the Word. Now let me ask you a question. This is an owner's manual we carry in our hand, the Word of God. It's the most powerful book in the world. And the new covenant that's made to you, really starting with the book of Acts, but it would be good to read starting with the book of Matthew. But if you started under the New Testament and read from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation, if you really believe what's in that book, you would read that book more often. Now then, let me ask a question. How many of you this past week, since last Sunday, have read at least one book of the New Testament entirely one time. Hold up your hand. Praise God. There's a few of you, 10 or 12 of you. How many of you have read the entire New Testament at least one time from Matthew to Revelation this year, from January till today? Praise God, a few of you. But you know what the problem is? When we read it, we don't believe it. That's the problem. It's too powerful. When you get a hold of what that book says, you can take and exercise your authority over the enemy, and you can get up, and you can go do anything you want to do in the name of Jesus. I mean, the reason, one of the things I thought about that, some of you all know this week the temperature was 110 to 112 in places. You all know that? I got up, I went to, of course, I realized maybe, maybe I go a little overboard sometimes. But I never got in bed this week before 2 a.m. in the morning. I never got up after 6. And I didn't just work from 6 till noon. I worked from 6 till 9 outside till it got dark. And then I come inside and then I worked till 12 or 1 or 2. And then I took a shower and went to bed. And then I got up the next morning at 6 o'clock. And I worked all day long out there on them tractors and working and doing things. And I didn't care if it was 110 degrees. Some of the tractors were beginning to run in the red, but I wasn't. I speak to them. I speak to my body. Jesus told me that I can do anything in his name. Did he not? I go over to the tractor place. I, need, I broke a little part, 
and I went over to the tractor place to get something. I'm in there, and there's a guy at least 10 years younger than me, at least 10 years younger than me. He'd already retired from some other company, and he walked in with his wife, and he said, boy, it's hot out there, isn't it? I said, I hadn't noticed. He said, you hadn't noticed it's hot? I said, no, I don't have control over my body. I said, I'm not hot. I'm not even sweating. I mean, you know, I mean, in here, I'm in that room. There was a little bit air conditioned anyway, probably 80, and that felt like, you know, great outside. I'm coming in from outside at 110, but I wasn't even hot outside. You know, I can't talk. And he said, well, I went out the other morning at about 10 o'clock, and I worked about 30 minutes. I couldn't handle it no more. I got way too hot, and I had to go inside. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Pentecostal Christian. I said, okay. If you're a Pentecostal Christian, I need to know, are you going to church? Are you serving God? Well, I, I, I can't find a church that teaches just like I like. I said, that's what I thought. You know, you're a rebellious Christian. I said, that's why you can't control your body. I said, you've got to put God first in everything you do. I said, if you put God first and you read that book, he will reveal things to you out of that book that will be beyond your wildest dreams. I said, that's why I can get out there and work from 6 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night outside without a break. Of course, now I'll have to say, since Dave is learning how to walk in faith, a year or two ago, there ain't no way Dave could have been outside in that heat like that. There ain't no way. But since he's got his complete healing and learned to speak to his body. In fact, this first part of this year, when his body started chapping, when he would get outside, his skin would start chapping. First year in his life, he's been able to get outside in the sun, you know, especially without being totally covered up. Now he can get out there in shorts and a short sleeve shirt and without a hat and all kinds of stuff, stay for a long time. And he said that he was beginning to chap. I told him, speak to your body. Command your body. Body to produce the oils. In the name of Jesus, you produce the oils so that my skin will be perfect, so it don't chap. Talk to it. Did Jesus tell us to do that? What is wrong with us? See, we haven't touched what faith is, have we? You know what we do? We look at our circumstances. When the weather's a little hot, you know what the first thing we do? We walk into an air-conditioned house and it's 80. We say, oh, my lens is so hot in here, I'm going to faint. Well, if you keep talking like that, that's exactly what you're going to do. Your body's going to listen to that nonsense, and you're going to think you're hot. You can control the body temperature by talking to your body if you believe the Word. That'll challenge you, won't it? I mean, but Jesus, after all, Ernest, you said your own self. Jesus said we could do the same things he did, only greater I mean, now who are we going to believe? The king or? Okay. If we believe the king, then what can we do as children of God? All things. So we should never tackle anything as a Christian knowing that we don't have the ability to do it. He has given it to us. Yeah, you may have to read a book or do a little research on something. But go at everything you go at saying, I can do all things. Nothing is impossible with me. I can do anything because I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the king of the universe, and I can do it. You know, so, but it all depends on, do you believe the written word of the living God? So if you're not reading it, there's no problem. You won't be challenged. But if you read it and meditate on it, 
and you draw near to God, you'll be challenged. You'll be challenged. Now then, before we get into the actual teaching today, we got, we got a beautiful girl sitting up here on the front row, just had her 18th birthday, I think. Wow, aren't you 18? Ooh, stand up, honey. Oh, look at this beautiful girl here. This is Don and Melody's daughter. She's 18. She's a sweetheart. 18 years old. She's a grown woman. 18. Yeah, senior. Praise God. When I was 18 years old, I thought, I thought from 0 to 21, when I could vote, I thought, man, this is the longest thing. And, you know, it takes forever to get there. And, you know, six weeks in between grades. And I thought, six weeks is forever. And then I got old enough to buy me a car and the payments were every 30 days. I thought, a month? Good grief. That's a month. I made a payment and I turned around twice and it's due again. And I thought, wow. All of a sudden these days start going by a lot faster. And then I thought, wow. I finally got 21. I said, I'm 21 and now I'm going to be 22, 42, 62. I thought, wait, where'd these things go? They go by in a hurry, don't they? You know? Wow. But you know what? You don't have to go by with them. You can still do anything you want to do, but you're going to have to learn to capture the promises of God. I'm going to guarantee you that as a man of God and you as a woman of God, all of us, men and women of God and, and, and daughters and sons of God, if we will believe this book, there's literally not anything impossible with us as children of God. You don't ever have to be sick again. I've already proved that. It's in the Word. Praise God. You know, 20 plus years, not a day of sickness. You can overcome the devil. I mean, you can't keep him away from you. He'll come put a test on you or a trial. But when he does, you don't have to yield to him. You know. It's just like a rattlesnake, you know. When he crawls up, if a rattlesnake was to crawl up my front porch, I opened the door one morning, and there one, I ain't going to say, well, just come on in. <laughs> no, I ain't telling that beast to come in my house. I thought last night, sure, was after a spider. There was a spider over there crawling, and man, she had a claw hammer, she was putting pictures on the wall, and she went over that claw hammer, and she hit that big old spider on the head, and he is no more. She said, I hate spiders. I said, I'm sure glad you don't hate me. <laughs> she was sure being mean to that spider. That poor guy, she's taking her authority and she was killing that beast. She said, I don't want you in my house. And man, she killed him. So, you know, you got to realize what we can do as sons and daughters. I think about Gloria one time when she's learning these things. Whenever she said that great big old fly that was come into her house. And she said she was, and she tried to get a fly swatter and couldn't get to him. So she, a minute, she said, I looked up and I pointed my finger to a fly. She said, Mr. Fly, I'm giving you one chance. You either get out that door if you want to live, because if you stay in this house, I call you dead in the name of Jesus. She said, it's over, it's done, because Jesus said I could do that. She said, I sat down there to do something, drink a glass of water or something, and I looked up, and that fly flew right over into a light fixture and went right in there and died right there in that light fixture, turned upside down and died. He wouldn't leave, so I spoke a curse on him, and he died. Now, see, that's the kind of power that we have if we know it. When you speak in faith, the elements listen. 
They really do. You have that kind of power. Somebody says, you mean to tell me I could go out and speak to my roses and they might be more beautiful? Only if you believe God's word. Did Jesus speak to a tree and it died? Did Jesus tell us we could speak to a mountain and it would move? Then don't you think you could speak to your flowers? Sure. How can we make everything in our world become a much better place to live? By speaking, by faith, from our hearts, the Word of God. And when you do, then nothing's impossible with you. But that'll put you into a new place. And some people are so far from that, they don't believe no more than you can fly without an airplane. Most people don't believe they can fly. Do you know one night I had a dream when I was talking about flying? And I love to fly airplanes. I've done a lot of it in my life. But I was had a dream one night, and I had been dreaming about flying. And here I was. This had been several years ago. I hadn't flown in years at this time. And I remember I was down at my dad's and mother's old farm. And I still own land down there. But I was down there, and some of my nephews and so forth was around and everything. And one of my cousins was there. And uh, one of them said something, and I said, if you guys had any faith, you could fly over there. And he said, what do you mean if you had faith? I said, look, let me show you. And I just leaped up in the air just like this. And just like I was swimming, I went all the way to them in the air about six feet off the ground. And it even amazed me. You know, I'm thinking, look, Lord, I'm flying. And no airplane. I was gliding through the air, and I went over there, and I just landed just like this. And I said, see, this is the way you can get around if you believe God. And I woke up, and I thought, Lord, I wonder what that dream was all about. I think he's trying to say, I'm showing you what you can do if you really believe me. You can technically defy different things if you can do it in faith. Somebody said, well, I'm going to go up on that three-story building and jump off and try it. I said, you better not jump off and try it because it ain't going to work for you. You've got to really know what you're doing to walk in faith. Trying faith does not work. Only doing faith works. Now then, when you say defy the elements, let me ask you this question. Do you believe you can walk on water? Most of us say no. Well, do we know anybody in the Word that walked on water? Jesus did, didn't he? And Peter did, didn't he? And when Jesus told Peter to walk on the water, and he did, and then when he finally did sink, when the fear began to come into him, did Jesus praise him for walking on the water or just a little while, or did he rebuke him? He rebuked him for not continuing. Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If we don't doubt, what can we do? I mean, after all, if I was teaching something that wasn't written in this book, you'd think I was crazy, wouldn't you, Ernest? But it's in your book that you carry to church. It's in the book. So that's why it challenges me. I mean, it challenges me to, to stand on God's Word and then believe it's done. But when you do, I can look across this group of people that's in here right now. And I think of the people that I see in here right now that I have spoken over your body or taught you these principles and you've spoken over your body and your body is totally changed today versus what it was. 
a few years ago. I could start with my own wife right now. I start with mine. That would be number one. But Cheryl, I think about how much, how wonderful it is. She she took, I had a, she had a, some surgery years ago, uh, a hysterectomy as a young woman, and for twenty something years been taking all those hormone pills. I don't know how many of those for years. I told her, honey, you don't have to take those. I'm gonna pray over you, and you throw them things away. You'll never need another one. I prayed over she threw them away. She never needed another one. It's amazing the things, you know, that we prayed over for my body and hers. But, you know, I'd already learned to walk in this, so uh, she's just learning. And it, we've done a lot more praying over her in the last two or three years than they have me because I'd already learned the principles. But now she's learning them, and she's learning how to walk in faith. Learning how to walk in faith. And it's absolutely amazing when you learn how to do things, you get to her, hey, I ain't afraid of nothing no more. The king is with me. I can do all things. But it's, it requires something that most people are not willing to pay the price for. And we're going to talk about some of them in just a few minutes out of the Word of God. But before we go into the Word of God, does anybody have a testimony you want to share with us? Okay, come up here, girl. Praise God. Oh, we got one brother, David, here too. I didn't even see you. Okay, just one second. He's already here. Well, he's I was standing there. And he's older than you are. <laughs> Only a couple of years. You're a young fella. in here older than I am. It's working. <laughs> it's working. You've got to give him time to turn it up. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Maybe somebody here makes it. It's working. Anyway, this past week, I'd like to be able to hear myself better. But it makes a difference. You can hear me? Okay, here we go. Uh, you know, Word says that he gives you a mustard seed amount of faith. That's not very much, probably. It's not much. Not much. It's enough. Okay, I have a friend. I have a friend who had uh, brain aneurysm. This man had uh, been a, a nutritionist, had a heart attack, worked Bell helicopter, and they fired him or let him go, whatever the case was, and. Uh, he, uh, he took a year off to study nutrition. Well, I learned that he had this brain aneurysm. He was in an H-E-B hospital, so I went up there to see him. He's, he's laying there, or lying there, uh, eyes closed, making all kind of uh, faces, you know. So I could tell that he, he, was, either, he was out, he wasn't going to be talking to me. So I just looked at him and asked about uh, how he was, and they said, well, he utters a few words now and then, but uh, we can't make sense of it. So uh, the second time I went over there, well, they said they transferred him to the VA hospital in Dallas. And so Tuesday, I made it over there. And I went in and uh, found him. And he's almost, well, he doesn't, he doesn't converse. He's just laying there, you know, his eyes open, but he's not, not much else. <coughs> So also I visited him Tuesday, then I visited him Thursday, and I visited him Saturday. Thursday I went in and prayed for him again. And uh, speaking of the mustard seed faith, you know, I think it's desirable and <clears throat> we absolutely important that we take the scripture in and memorize it. But you don't have to have but one scripture. 
to, to let you know who God is, and that's John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Amen. If you can't understand that, you need to have something done to your head. I don't know what, <laughs> but anyway. Or heart, maybe. Amen, but, our <coughs> on Thursday, I went in there and prayed for him. And uh, as I look back on it, I began to prophesy to him. I said, God wants you up out of here, and that's what's going to happen. And, you know, I was more bold and positive than I guess I've ever been talking to anybody like that. And then, then Saturday, I went by to see another friend who has been diagnosed as having a similar situation. He hadn't had a stroke yet. He happens to be Baptist, but he could be, he could be a unbelieving Assembly of God believer, which is what I grew up as. There's a lot of unbelievers in the Assemblies of God. I can verify that. But anyway, uh, I, I was really had a challenge over that. That's a two-hour challenge for them. And I gave one of your tapes on the bap- receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, they're kind of like this on that. But I just laid it down there. I thought, well, there, there's that. There's a book on uh, God, God guarantees to heal you. And uh, anyway, <coughs> that was about as negative a situation I ever went. I went over to the VA hospital. I left South Fort Worth like 115, and I got over there 45 minutes or an hour later, and I would go in, and he's not in his room. Well, they said, uh, this one guy says, well, you're not going to believe this. I recorded him. I had my little mini recorder. You're not going to believe this. He's, he's much improved. Matter of fact, his daughter's got him in a, in a wheelchair, and she's riding him around downstairs in the you know, big area down there. Well, I went down there twice looking for him. I couldn't find him. So I came back up, and another guy right next to his room, an orderly or something or other, <clears throat> he said, it's a miracle. <laughs> I said, praise God, you know. And he went, are you a preacher? No, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to believe the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> but I want to thank God that this man is, <laughs> you know, when he went in the hospital, I was told that he had one in a thousand chance of living. The man's living. It, you know, I mean, it, it, and I've, I've told him several times, God wants you up and walking, and that's what's going to happen. So, Praise the Lord. Jesus with Jesus. Come on, Jen. With Jesus, one in a thousand is good, isn't it? Amen. One in a million is good with Jesus. Zero chances is good with Jesus. That's right. Yeah. He raises the dead. Amen. Well, there's so much to say. I'll try to keep everything short because I have about three little testimonies. Um, finally, things gelled in me. I thought it would never happen. Now, wait a minute. Wrong confession, girl. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, everything is gelling now. Okay, praise the Lord. It is. I had to change my confession. Amen. That was the whole thing. Amen. I was listening to the tongue, the power of the tongue, according to your faith, and several other things. And I had several other experiences that were really positive. And I started, I listed uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit about 55 positive confessions. And immediately, my life started changing. Certain things that I wanted to do, I was able to do. And uh, I, somehow, my low back started hurting. I had sciatic nerve pain all the way to my heel. And I had to do an out call the next day instead of getting to go see my therapist, which I already missed a couple of appointments with her. So 
I said, well, I'm just going to believe God that he's going to put it back into place. I'm going to be okay. And I started speaking to my body, and within 24 hours, I was completely healed. It even astonished me, but I kept, I did not doubt or waver in my heart. And I started um, speaking to every part of my body, and I had a, lo- have a long list of things to speak to. <laughs> but um, and those things had started um, happening. But I'm, I'm keeping my confession completely positive and, and everything. My whole life is changing. And, I'm, um, and I had a client that came in last Monday, and she was spewing about an argument she had paying a bill over the phone with somebody. And then she proceeded to get on the table, and I asked her, well, what's happening in your body? And she says, well, I have uh, neck problems, and my low back is hurting. So I proceeded to work on her. And by the time I got to her neck, I was having difficulty putting the right side of her neck back into place. And the Holy Spirit quickened me to ask her if she had forgiven this person that she had an argument over the phone with. And uh, she's a Methodist, I have to tell you. I had to really tone it down. And I said to her, um, she said, no, and I'm not going to, <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I said, she doesn't know what we know, does she? <laughs> so I said, well, you know what the Bible says, um, if we don't forgive others, then God will not forgive us. So, but right now, God wants to heal your neck. Would you be willing to forgive this person? And on the table, I'm at the top of the table, and she's, you know, facing me. And she had this grin on her face, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you got me on this one. And immediately, right after that, she didn't say anything, but immediately right after that, I worked on her neck, and within seconds, her neck went back into place. And I was praying that in that example, without me teaching her anything else, that that day that she would see some of the principles of God and how you open the door to sin in your life. But I started in um, 02 coming to see you, I was very frustrated because I couldn't do it just like Thurman, and I couldn't memorize scripture, and I thought that was what it was all about, and I didn't understand a lot of things, and I got frustrated, and I stopped coming for a while, and then Elaine um, Davis gave me some things, some DVDs to listen to, and some cassettes back in November to where after three months I couldn't stand any longer, and I came out here, so I've been listening to his materials pretty steadily since January. I want to tell you, encourage you, if you're new here, to keep on listening. I listen to things almost every day. When I eat supper, I watch a DVD. I'm in the car, I listen to a cassette, or in the kitchen, or while I'm cleaning house, anytime I can. And I'm confessing that I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do. Amen. And um, anyway, I'm praising God that I'm finally, I'm not arrived, but I've really left. <laughs> Amen. He's an awesome God. Praise the Lord. Oh. They got a good one. I got a, well, I've got more than a couple, but I'll just limit myself to a couple. Yeah. The Lord revealed something to me this week that just really spoke to me as something we all need to know to share with people. And I've never heard it put quite this way. What he told me, when I was 16 years old, I accepted Jesus as my savior. And I had a rough life. When I was 37, I finally accepted him as my Lord. And that made all the difference in the world. Because we have to accept him as both. Then he can become our healer, our deliverer, our protector, and our provider. We have to be, he has to be Lord and Savior. 
And isn't that what this Amen. man teaches That's us here? exactly right. Praise Amen. the Lord for teaching the truth. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The other testimony, and this is going to be another one from the mission trip. What's that been, a month ago now or more? I just keep squeezing a few in. The last night we were there, one of the young men, teenage boy, came to me and two of the missionaries asking for prayer. He said, I feel like I'm under demonic assault. I need prayer. So we start praying for him. And the Lord gives me a verse. If the word's a two-edged sword, this one's going to be the coup de grace to get that demon out of him. I know that because the Spirit just quickens this verse in me. And I tell him, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Say it. He says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I'm like, praise the Lord. You say it for yourself. Claim it. Greater is he who is in me. And all the times I've heard Pastor Thurman speak and hearing Brother Ty speak, it took me a while to catch on what was going on when he said, greater is the Father. No, that's not right. He said, greater is he who is in the world. No, that's not right. He finally managed to get out, greater is he who is in me. And all of a sudden, he just shoves everyone away from him. You know, this is a little guy about this much shorter than me and skinny, and he shoved me back about four or five feet. And he falls on the ground, covers his head, and yells out, no, I don't want you praying for him. Praise the Lord for the teaching I've gotten here. I knew exactly what was happening. And I got mad. Not only is that demon hiding out in my Christian brother, but how dare he think I care what it wants. <laughs> Amen. So I start rebuking that demon. I'm quoting Luke 10, 19 and 20. Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice that the unclean spirits have to obey you, but that your names are written in heaven. So I quote the verse. I praise the Lord for my salvation and for the salvation of my brother I'm praying for. And then I go to rebuking that demon. And as I'm rebuking him, one of the missionaries on the other side is telling him, Say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So I'm rebuking the demon, and he's coaching this young man. And I'm rebuking the demon, and suddenly the Lord gives me a prophecy to speak over this young man that just blew me away. And I'm speaking to the demon and rebuking it. And I say, you cannot touch this young man. He is a servant of the king, a warrior for Christ. His ministry will touch hundreds and thousands of lives. He is a child of the Most High God, and you have no part of him. I cast you out in Jesus' name, never to return. And right at that moment, the young man says, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. And there was, I don't know if it was a sound or a feeling, but I heard the Spirit cast out of him screaming. And... Praise the Lord. The young man is serving the Lord today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We'll take one more over here. Come over. we got one more. got a man standing up here. We'll take this and then we'll get in the scripture. All right. Uh, a few years ago, I, had a, I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, the cancer was, was gone. But somehow, about three years later, it came back. And I went back to the doctor. And uh, I would go back like every three months. But every three months, the PSA we go up and up real fast. So until the doctor said, uh, I don't think I can do anymore, but I'm going to send you to an oncology. 
that he got a lot of his stuff and it's good. He said, all right. So I went to the oncology. He said, I'm going to redo the whole thing again. So I'm going to send you. I'm going to have a CAT scan and all that stuff. And came back. And he said, well, what happened is the cancer came back and it's got it spread around in my body. I said, well. And then he said, I'm going to give you some pills and this and that. If those pills don't work, I got five more. So increase this. Wait a minute. And then at the end, you might have to get some uh, chemotherapy. He said, wait a minute, I don't want to go there. So uh, when I got the pills, and I saw those little pills, that are pills that the size of an ant. I said, wait a minute, that one's going to kill me. So uh, during that week, I came here last Sunday, I think. And, uh, and I have faith, but sometimes we got uh, sidetracked. I mean, like, we have faith, but we, we kind of not even too sure. You know, we forget the next day. Well, we uh, we, <laughs> we, we kind of the borderline whether yes or no, right? So I went back to the doctor, and, uh, and I was sitting there with my wife. The doctor said, well, you know, I got good news, good news for you. you. Yeah? He said, well, your PSA went to, to uh, 0.6, which it was, it was almost three points, going on real fast. And he said, I don't know. But did it, deal. But then just going back, when when I came here, you prayed for me, and I was listening to you, listening to your sermon. And I said, wait a minute, I, something got into my mind. He said, probably I got sidetracked and, and I didn't do it with real faith. But that's when after that I went back to the doctor. He said, wait a minute, I'm not gonna wait for all these pills and stuff. I'm gonna be cured. The, what the devil doesn't have any business going through my body inside here. I don't know. You know, God gave me a clean body when I was born. What at, at, at this point in my life, he's going to get in there. He has to get out. And that's where the doctor gave me the diagnosis, you know, like he went to 0 0.6. Uh, and after that, I, I, I look at the doctor. I mean, it was very cool. I never got too excited anyway. It's my nature, you know. You can tell me I'm going to die tomorrow, and I just look at you. I mean, I don't know do tumbleweeds or get crazy or anything. And, it's, and from that point on, he said, wait a minute. I think I got sidetracked somewhere. And these things is going to get out of my body. And that when I was praying, and he said, God, just get that in my, <laughs> get the devil out of my body. doesn't have any business here. Amen. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go back in there. And that's it. I'm cured. Whether it's 0.6 or 0.1, digo, it doesn't matter. Walk in faith. I count that it's not death. Amen. The doctor can count it, but I count on you. And that's it. And, you know, I'm going to be laconic, so I'm not going to take too long. But that, that's what I think is that if we all have that faith, yeah. it really knows 100%, that's right. and just walk with it. That's right. That would be the best cure that you can have. Amen. Jesus is there. God is there. We don't have to uh, prove anything. You know, it's faith. That's, That's what it is. That's it. We don't see it or we don't hear it, but it's there. It's written. You know, we don't have to see Jesus coming into my room. I said, right. I'm here, so you have a testimony yeah. for me. No, I know it's there. Amen. I don't have to see it, but I feel it. Amen. All right? And thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory. All right. <clears throat> Fighting the fight of faith is not easy. Very difficult to believe God. That's why so, peop 
so few people do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we study the word, open our hearts and our minds to your word so we may do exactly what you say. And I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now then, let's go back to where we left off last Sunday. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12. Go down. verse 14 15 is where we left off. Now I want, to, I want to recap just a little bit on this call to listen to God in Hebrews 12, 14, 15 because this is so important because it doesn't affect just you. It affects many people around you. Now, most of us have a difficult time believing that what somebody else does can have an effect on you, but it can. And I don't care how strong you're walking in faith, it can still have an effect on you. So in one of those things, in fact, and I'm going to be, I'm going to read this. <clears throat> in fact, I think I'll read this out of both translations. I'll go to the King James first. I want to read this in the verse 14. In the King James, it says 1214. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men. This is a King James. And holiness. You've got to walk holy with God. That's one of the requirements. Without which no man shall see the Lord. I wonder why so few of us have ever seen God. I've never seen him. That young man that was up here, he said he'd never seen him. But I know a few men that have seen him. I know a few women that tell me they have seen Jesus. Well, then what's the problem? What does the scripture say? Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Well, if we walk holy and obedient to the word, he can and will appear to us. Then he says, in, he says <clears throat> looking diligently, in verse 15, looking diligently, lest at any man fail. <clears throat> any man fail of the grace of God, let, lest any root of bitterness. This is extremely important, this root of bitterness. It says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you... And thereby many be defiled. Many of you be defiled. Then he says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And I want to reread that in the NLT. Live in peace with everyone. 
and seek to live a clean and holy life. Clean and holy. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favors of God. I like them special favors of God. He does things for his children that are obedient that he does not do for those that are disobedient. So don't miss out on these special favors of God. Then he says, watch out that no bitter root of unbelief goes a little deeper into that in the NLT. Under King James, it said, no root of bitterness. You just want to, don't want to be bitter with anybody or nothing. How easy is it to get into a state of bitterness with people? It's real easy. It's real easy to get bitter. And not only will it ruin your day, but it can ruin many people's days around you. Because the Word says, Watch out, watch out, that no bitter root of unbelief rise up among you, for wherever it springs up, many are overcome or corrupted by its poison. So the root of bitterness that comes up in you won't just hurt you, it will hurt many people around you. Then he says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless. Anybody know what immorality, you know what fornication and adultery is? You understand what that means? That means having sex with someone that you're not married to. If we in the church knew what we were doing when we step outside of the boundaries of God, we would run from adultery and fornication. You would run from it as fast and as far as you could. You would never, under no conditions, ever think about having sex with somebody that's not your mate. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you already know it. Sex and not being married, not done in love, is not fulfilling. It makes you feel dirty. Makes you feel miserable. It doesn't. It's not something that's enjoyable. You may think it is. But it's not. I'm going to tell you what. When you get married and you're married to the mate, male or female, regardless of which one you are, and you come together in a love relationship, sex is a beautiful thing to have in the marriage relationship. It's beautiful. But God made it. He made it. And He made it good and enjoyable. But it is not good and it is not enjoyable when it's done outside of the marriage bed. It's damning and killing. And it destroys. You know, I've got the answer for the cure for AIDS. I could stop it in one generation. i got the cure for venereal disease. I can stop it in one generation. i got the cure for sickness and disease. I can stop it in one generation. I don't have to go out and spend a million dollars or ten billion dollars on tests. I can tell you the answer is already in the Word of God. The answer is there. But people won't believe it. They go out and do things anyway. And then, I never forget, never forget, years ago, 
when my nephew had been hurt on a motorcycle, and, I, and he'd had a hip replacement, and I was bringing him down here to Dallas to have therapy after they put that hip in him, and he was just a young man, early 20s at that time. And while he was in having therapy, I met a little 16-year-old girl, tore all to pieces. I mean, scars all over her face. I said, honey, what's wrong with you? She said, if I could just live that day over in my life. But it took her 20 minutes to tell me that. Isn't that amazing? She could not talk. I finally got it out of her. I sat there with her for an hour trying to find out what happened to her. She was crying. She said, if I could just live that night over. I said, but you can't. So what did you do that night? She said, me and a couple of my girlfriends and a couple of guys, we went out for a drive. She said, one of them had his driver's license. And somehow one of them got a case of beer out of his daddy's refrigerator. Wonderful daddy had a case of beer in his refrigerator. Yeah, a bad daddy, that's exactly right. And the kids, the kids are out drinking this stuff now. When they're 16 and 17 years old, they can't handle their booze. They drink three or four beers and they're off into a new world. They ain't never been in. And she says, we got to drive in too fast. And he missed a corner. And all of them but me and one other were killed. I lived, and one other lived, but she said, I wished I had died. Well, let me tell you, she was so torp, and her face was so distorted, she looked awful. She had been a beautiful young lady, and in one heartbeat, her body's tore all to pieces. She can barely talk. Her throat was cut, all kinds of things. Now she can barely get out a few words. And her face is all scarred and tore all to pieces. And in her tears, she kept saying, if I just had that night to live over. I wonder how many people in life have said that. If I just had last night to live over. Well, let me tell you, you better live every day like God says, because you ain't going to be able to live it over. Once that 24 hours is gone, it's gone. You know the price you pay for today is just 24 hours of your life. Whatever you do today, you paid 24 hours. It's a pretty expensive price for what you do today. Make it productive. Do something good for God because you can't live this day over. Whatever you do today, if you wasted it, it's wasted. You can't go back. You will not be able to live it over. So whatever you do there, whenever Esau had sold his birthright for a little morsel of meal, Then later he was sorry for what he'd done. He said, I'm sorry, I repent. Even with tears, he said, I want the birthright. Can't do it. It's over. You lost it. I give it to your brother. You're the one made the mistake. So it cost him tremendously for that mistake. So whatever you do, don't let that root of bitterness and unbelief get into you. Because not only will that beast destroy you, but it will destroy a lot of people around you. Now then, he says, in in the, the next verse there, verse 18, it says, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind. Can you imagine that day? 
over Mount Sinai? No, we really can't. God come down on that mountain and God spoke to these people. Look what it says here. At Mount Sinai, when God gave them His laws, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice with a message so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They don't want to hear Him. God is absolutely talking out loud so that everybody, uh, multi- multiplied millions of people, are hearing His voice from the mountain. And He didn't need a PA system. Everybody was hearing Him. And that voice was shaking that mountain. And it said, they staggered back under God's command. If, said, if animals, if even an animal touches a mountain, they must be stoned to death. He told them, don't you touch this mountain, I am holy. If you touch this mountain, you shall die. Moses himself was so frightened. Now Moses, that talked to God face to face. He was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Somebody says, I want to see God. I think of a preacher and... I heard him here a while back, and he said, I had begged and pleaded and asked God, God, I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you. And he said, I kept telling the Lord I want to see him. He said, one night I'm laying there asleep, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, wake up. Called my name said, wake up. You want to see me? I'm here. He said, God, you're here? He said, yes, turn over. I'm here. He said, I reached over my wife. You know, I'll just use my wife's name, Cheryl. So, Cheryl, honey, wake up. God's in the room. Starts hitting her in the side. And says she's laying there dead asleep. Wake up. God's in the room. Screaming, hitting her in the side. He won't wake up at all. He said, finally the light went away. And he said, I've turned over. And he was gone. He said, Lord. He said, I told you to look, turn over and you wouldn't do it. So now I'm gone. You wanted to see me? said it. you missed it. Now see, we think we want to see him. But the minute he says, I'm here, all of your past and your sins come up before you. And you remember that scripture says, no man can look upon God unless he die. You think, I can't turn and look at him. If I do, I'm going to die. And I ain't ready to die. So you're going to wake up your wife and let her look at him so he can see if she dies. <laughs> that sounds like a real man, doesn't it? <laughs> Wake up your wife. (laughs) But God had put her out where she couldn't hear nothing. I mean, she didn't wake up after the Lord left. He said, I reached over and tapped her, and she woke right up. She said, something wrong? He said, God was in the room. Why didn't you wake up? But see, God had done something. Who knows what he did? But he didn't plan for the woman to see. But Moses himself, when God came into the mountain, he was frightened and terrified. It says, no... You have come to Mount Zion. Now, we didn't come to this mountain. Now, this in this day, this was a day that when we sinned, God's vengeance demanded payment. It's a different story today. Thank God. Now, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We live in a different place today, folks. I mean, we as Christians live in a different place. We've got to get a hold of who we are. It says, And to thousands of angels in joyful assembly. 
Now, this is, this is in heaven, but this is where we're seated in heaven. This is what the scripture says. We are seated there. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge of all people and you have come to the spirits of the redeemed in heaven who have now been made perfect. They have all been made perfect. Verse 24, you have come to Jesus. Thank goodness for Jesus. The one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people. And to the sprinkled blood which graciously forgives. This wonderful blood that he poured out graciously forgives instead of crying out for vengeance as the blood of Abel did. I'm telling you, we live in a different place with the blood of Jesus. Aren't we grateful for, for this place that we live, that we can come to, that whenever we see what rightfully belongs to us as children of God, all we got to do if we sinned, which we're not supposed to, once we become a Christian, we're, the scripture demands that we walk holy and with no sin in our life. But if we do mess up in sin, instead of God saying, oh, okay, okay, Thurman, you just messed up. I'm going to take my big fly swatter and I'm going to get you one big lick and there ain't going to be nothing left but a greasy spot when I get through with you. He don't do that to us no more. He gives me time to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Amen. And I messed up. Ernest, you must have sinned a couple of times in your life like I have, huh? Only one or two. A few. We've not made a few. We've come short just a few times. And because of this great, gracious blood, we can come to the king and say, Lord, I ask forgiveness. He says, okay. And our brother, Jesus, stands between you and me and the father and says, Lord, my two sons down there. Yeah, they both messed up big time. But you hear them, they're both begging for mercy. And so I know where they've been. I've been there. So, Lord, I ask you to put my blood upon, I'm sprinkling my blood upon him and upon Thurman. And the Lord says, okay, because you paid the price. Oh, he said he looks clean in his white gown on. He ain't got a spot on that thing. Just as if he had never sinned. Oh, what a place we get to live. Oh, my goodness. But we've got to get a hold of that. You've got to get a hold of that. If you're going to pray and ask God for anything. You know, you get one little spot of sin on that white, pure white garment, and God don't hear your prayer no more. That's all it takes. Is that right, Benjamin? Just one little spot of sin, and God says, I'm separated from you. I don't hear your prayer no more. Get right with me, and then I'll come, I'll hear your prayer. But as long as you're walking in that sin, you want to pray and want to know why I'm not doing nothing for you? You want to know why you've had 50 people pray for you and ain't nothing happen? You want to know why a thousand have prayed for you and ain't nothing happen? Because you got sin in your life. You get that sin taken care of, then you only need how many to pray for you? One. One. And it, it happens, doesn't it? Absolutely. Which graciously, this blood, this sprinkled blood, which graciously forgives instead of crying out for vengeance as the blood of Abel did. See to it that you obey God. Now see, he's telling us, see to it that we obey the Word of God. I mean, we come to church, we hear these things, we walk right out that door and go do exactly what we want to do and then wonder why all the sickness and disease and the problems come upon us. I think about that little girl. Beautiful little girl. 
went through high school, virgin. I mean, she didn't go with the boys. She had a mother and daddy that was on fire for Jesus. Her daddy was a deacon. She served the Lord. They served the Lord. But she gets away from home and goes to college the first year. And she meets a second or third year boy up there in college. And he was a football star. He even played quarterback a whole lot. He was really good and he was really handsome. And he saw how pretty she was. And he started asking her for a date. She didn't want to go. But she finally, okay. And so after she, he went with her three or four times, then he was real bold with her, and he wouldn't have sex with her. She said, no, I'm a Christian. I don't do those kind of things. And then he kept pushing her and pushing her, you know, and saying, you know, if you really loved me, you would let me have sex with you. Finally, he got through to her, and she yielded to him one time, and that boy didn't know he had AIDS. And one year later, that little girl was dead. And she died a death of hell on this earth. In pain and suffering. Let me ask this question. Has anybody in here ever seen anybody in the final stages of AIDS? Has anybody ever seen anybody in the final stages of AIDS? Is it pretty? No, it's everything but pretty. Well, let me tell you, you go into the room, you know what? They ought to run every one of us through the last three weeks of an AIDS patient and watch him die. And let me tell you, I guarantee you, if you ever were, you wouldn't think about having sex with somebody out of wedlock. If you thought there was a possibility that might come to me, I wouldn't let a person that AIDS get within ten steps of me if I wasn't a man able to walk in faith. Amen. That has got to be the most wicked death that you can die on this earth. It's gory. It's awful. If you ain't never been there, you ought to read up on it. It's awful. I mean, it's, it's worse than awful. See to it that you obey God. The one who is speaking to you for the people of Israel did not escape. They did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger. They listened to Moses. He had a man they could see, just like me. He's the preacher. And he's telling them, God spoke to me and told you all to do this. And they said, well, we don't believe that. In fact, it got so bad one time, Dathan and his group, they said, God speaks to other people besides you. He's not speaking to you. And Moses said, okay, I'm not going to get excited at y'all. Said, if you believe that Dathan is he's hearing from God, y'all go over there and draw your line and everybody wants to believe in him, get over there. So they all, go, well, not all of them, but a bunch of them goes over there. And Moses said, now if you believe God speaks to me and what I've been telling you is the truth, you stay on this side of the line. And so we've got two divisions here now. Now then, Moses makes a simple little statement. He said, if he's really hearing from God, nothing's going to happen. But if I'm hearing from God and what I'm saying is the truth, then the earth is fixing to open and they're all going to fall into hell. And immediately before the people's eyes, the ground opened up and the flames of fire came roaring up and there ain't no ground under them. And they're all falling, screaming into a bottomless pit with fire. And all of a sudden, everybody gets to see this. And then the ground just closes right back up and it's sealed over. Now Moses said, okay, anybody, anybody else? Y'all want, want to go over there? 
Keith, I bet they ain't me and you smarter than that, aren't we? We ain't going over there. I mean, this is a story that's in the Bible. How many of y'all read that story? Okay, virtually everybody has. You know I'm telling you the truth. God don't play games. He's, he's the boss, isn't he? He can open up the ground and let it fire be and let them fall and then close it right back up and not even be a burn cinder on top. That's what he can do. But it says there, when these people do the awesome things that to do, it says, the earthly measure, how terrible our danger, what kind of shape are we going to be in if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven? Who's speaking to us from heaven? Jesus through the Holy Ghost. We got a messenger. We got a Holy Spirit that's here on earth. We got the Word of God in its entirety. And we got Jesus sitting in the third heaven. It says, if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. Is he powerful? Amen. I mean, can, do you think God could really shake the heavens? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's God, isn't he? We fail to realize his love and his graciousness, and we as people go out and sin and do the things we do as his church. It's a wonder any of us are alive. It's a wonder. I think about some of the stupid things I did as a teenager and as a young 20-year-old man, and all i got to say, God's got to be gracious and merciful for me to still be alive today. And some of you men in here were just as stupid as I was. Some of you even hold your hands up just like I did. In fact, probably if I was to ask that question, every one of you, if you were truthful, you'd hold your hand and say, I was one of those dumb, stupid guys. We know we've been there and done it, and we try our best to tell our children not to do it. And praise God, if you've got a wise son, he'll listen to you. If you've got a wise grandson, he'll listen to you. And if not, then he'll go out and suffer the same stupid things you do, and the consequences will be awful. And what a shame. This means that the things on earth will be shaken so that only eternal things will be left. I mean, he's really going to shake it. He said, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed... Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with a holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I mean, he, I mean, worship him with a holy fear and awe. You know, I heard a story one time, and somebody told me, so I don't know if it's really true, but it said there was a man who had a son. And I look at you men here, some of you have your sons or your daughters with you today. And I was thinking about, I have a son, and I think about this man loved his son with all his heart. I can understand that. But he didn't believe in God. <clears throat> and so, he was making fun of God. Now, in making fun of God, he's saying, God, if you're really real, why don't you just strike me down? But the story goes that the young man's 
that was sitting beside his father, he died. Isn't that awful? I mean, that's kind of like the story that they said whenever, way back yonder, when they were going to take bulldozers and tear down the eastern gate over in Jerusalem. Some Arabs were going to push that gate down. They were going to open it. The scripture says that gate will not be opened until Jesus comes back to this earth. But they started out there with those bulldozers and the man's son died before they got to the gate. And there's several stories about people that have tried to open that gate and something happens to every one of them before they can get to that gate. Let me tell you something. If the book says God says that gate ain't going to be open until he comes back, then I wouldn't touch that gate with a 10-foot pole. I wouldn't even walk up and put my hand on it to try to push it open. Would you, Ernest? No. If I went up there, I would go up there in a reverent awe and say, Lord, I'd just like to touch this beautiful gate that I know you're going to come through one day and you're going to open it. I'm just here to touch it in reverent awe of you. Because, Lord, I want to be able to live to go back home. I'm afraid of God. I mean, I fear him. You know. Then he says in the next verse, continue to love each other. Continue to love each other with a true Christian love. A true love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality to strangers? Well, I ain't going to do no hospitality to a stranger. Yeah, we do. Many of us have stopped on the side of the road and helped people when you didn't know who they were. Many of you have. I think how many times I've done that. Good grief. Show hospitality to strangers. The Lord says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels unaware. Now, isn't that amazing? You stopped to help somebody and the guy was an angel. You think, wow. You didn't even realize it. I know. When I've seen angels, I didn't realize they were angels until after I saw what they did for me. And they help you. They do all kinds of things. And, of course, I love to tell the story about this one older lady, about 86 or 88 years old now, but a few years ago when she was still driving. Right now she's not driving anymore. But at that time she was. And she's told me this story many times. She said, one day I'm driving down the road. She was a businesswoman. I mean, she was a go-getter. And she was driving down the road. She forgot to check her gas. And she ran out. Her car stopped running. She looked down. Gas gauge on empty. She's on an off-ramp. And she pulls down and nearly makes it to the intersection. And the car stops rolling. And she said, Lord, i got to have some help. Somebody will run off this highway up here and hit me in the rear end. Now, you believe somebody can run off the highway and hit you in the rear end? You know, last Sunday, was it Sunday night or Tuesday night? We left one or the other. We were going home up here, and I get over in the left lane as quick as I can get across 35, all five or six lanes. I get in the left lane because we have to turn up there to go on 635, go to west on 635, and it's from the left lane. So I'm driving 65 miles an hour, speed limit or 60, whatever it is, 60 or 65. I mean, I've got up there. I shoot across that thing, and all of a sudden I look up there, and I think, man, is the closing speed between me and that set of... Park lights coming up in a hurry. I slam the brakes on. 
I said, something wrong here. And as I slammed the brakes on, we get up there, and that guy was sitting there, and he had hit another guy that stopped and jammed up right in the rear end, right there on the left lane. Well, let me tell you, you've got to be on your toes. You can get killed on these roads in a heartbeat. I mean, here's somebody, their car stopped, and they did it. So that's exactly what happened to this lady, and she was afraid this was going to happen to her. But her confession was wrong at first. Then she said, Lord, please, I've got to have some help. And so all of a sudden, she said a white wrecker pulls off the ramp, comes down, pulls around her, backs, pulls right up against her in the back. A white wrecker, a guy with a white suit on driving a white wrecker. Now, I ain't never seen this in my life. But he gets out, hooks onto the front of her car, just waves at her. Don't say a word to her. Picks her car up. She stays in it. Pulls her around up to the corner, around to a gas station, pulls in front of a pump, gets out, lets the car down, disconnects it, hooks the thing on the wrecker, and just waves at her again, and gets back in the wrecker and drives off. Never said a word. Who do you think that was? As an angel. Guarantee you. Had one other lady in my Sunday school class, said she's a little lady, and she's been to, in my Sunday school many times, her and her husband been here several times. She said, one day I'm driving down the road and a wheel falls off of a truck and, it jam- and it's raining, had just stopped raining, but it's real muddy, water everywhere. And again, this truck passer and a big old wheel falls out of the back of the truck and hits the road. And she said, I try to stop and the front end of my car goes right up on top of it and it's the front wheel driving so it don't do nothing. The wheel's just sitting there turning. And I'm stranded. She said, Lord, i got to have some help. And she said, a man pulls around me in a white truck, pulls up in front of me, stops, a guy gets out in a white suit, reaches up and just says, you're going to be okay, and reaches down and picks up the front of my car and slides that truck tire out from under it, picks the tire up like this and throws it off the side of the road and says, you're going to be okay. She said, let me pay you for doing that. He says, no, ma'am. And he goes in, she said, white and has not got a spot of mud on him, picks up her car with one hand, slides the tire out from under it, throws the tire off the side of the road, and goes back and gets in his truck and starts down the road. She said, I'm going to follow him. I know that man's young, nice man like that's got to have a family. I'm going to help him. I'm going to give him a tip or something. She said, I follow him. He turns right. Go up to another road. He turns right. I go up there and she said, I've got to stop him somehow. But said, he ain't stopping. So he goes up and turns into a schoolyard. She said, I got him now. He's going to go in that schoolyard. He can't get out. So she said, he pulls in, goes around behind the building. She said, I pulled around behind the building. And there's a closed-in area, and there's no truck. It's gone. She says, that had to be an angel. Thought not only the guy disappeared, but the truck disappeared. No place to go. Camilla Slagle. She's told me that story several times. She heard her husband come here pretty often. Did the word, what did the Word of God say? We could have angels and we don't even know they're there? Are these guys really real? Are angels really real? Yeah. Do you know what? If we could have every angel in this place manifest today, right now, it would probably shock your socks off. If you could see, if God would open our spiritual eyes and we see all the angels, you might see. Can you imagine what, Don, what do you think would happen if all of a sudden you were to look up and here's about a 14-foot one standing right here just smiling at you? Oh, whoa! That would shock you, wouldn't it? 
That'd be like the one Oral Roberts said. He looked up one day and there's once a big standing up eight or nine feet tall, standing in his office. And he said, I looked up and here's this great big guy. I thought, it really scared me. And I said, who are you? He said, I'm your angel. He said, give me a charge to go do something for you. I'm waiting for you to charge me to do something. And you won't tell me nothing to do. And old Robert said, wow, I'm supposed to charge you to do something? He said, well, then go out and move on the hearts of some people and bring some more money in for this college. He said, I'll go. And he said, in the next few months, old Roberts told this story. He said, more money came into that college than has ever come into it in his life in the next few months after I charged that angel to go forth and bring resources into the old Roberts University. Just think. The Word of God says, do you not know that we will judge angels? You know, every once in a while I'll tell my angel, I'll say, Angel, I need you to do this, take care of this, watch over my house or my car or whatever. One day I was up in the Tennessee and I parked at a parking lot in a motel I was going to spend the night at. And I went in there and I I'm, went out to get something and the guy's walking around putting these little deals on the cars. I said, well, Sir, what are you putting that little bumper deal on my car for? He said, You're staying at the hotel. I said, well, yeah. He said, well, I'm checking these to make sure that these cars are still here in line. I come by every hour to check them. I said, what do you do that for? He said, because we've had two or three thefts lately, and the people steal the cars. I said, you don't have to worry about mine. He said, what do you mean? I said, mine's guarded by an angel. I said, I left him with it. And I told him, I said, Angel, you stand guard over this car and ain't nobody going to touch it. And you better do a good job because, remember, Jesus said, I'm going to judge you one day. I mean, did the king really say that? But see, you don't believe what's available to you. I mean, God said in his word, he's given us angels and he's given them charge over us. And we as sons and daughters of God can ask the Lord to send these angels and we can charge these angels to do things in his name. And if you do it in faith, they will do it. Especially when you tell them that you boys better do a good job. Because I'm going to judge you someday. Your angel. Did your angel do a good job for you? Can you imagine getting to heaven? The Lord says, it's time for you to judge your angel. You said, angel? I didn't know I had one. And the angel said, I'm sure glad she didn't know that. I helped him a whole lot anyway. I helped her a whole lot. But I'm really glad she didn't know I was there. But we have those. And he tells us we do. Then he says here, After we obey God, continue to love each other with true Christian love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some of you have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. Don't forget about those in prison. Now, you know, I used to think he's thinking about just the average prisoner. But I got a new revelation on this when I read it out of this translation. Don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated. Now, who do you think he's talking about here? He's talking about Christians that have been put in jail for serving God. That's the, who he's talking about in prison. I mean, he says if you're in jail because you've been a, a thief, you need to be in jail. 
But we still are supposed to minister to those people also. We're not supposed to just throw them away. You know, we do, we do this backwards. We go to school, they won't let you give them a Bible. So they go through life and turn out to be little hellions. And they wind up as murders and rapists and everything else. And then we pick them up and take them and put them in jail. And then we give them a Bible and tell them to read it. It's a little bit wrong place to do that. If we'd have started out in school or from the time they were babies and reading them the Word of God, we wouldn't have them little hellions, would we, Ernest? We would have boys and girls that grow up to be children of God. Yes, ma'am. Whoa. The church is responsible, particularly the pastors are responsible for that situation because instead of thundering from the pulpit, well, they back, we all backed off and let them get away with it mm-hmm. in Congress. Yep. Well, let me tell you, it's not just, let me give you an example. Get underneath this speaker where it don't holler like it does again. I'm going to tell you one thing about the pastors when it comes down to it God told us we're all disciples and he commanded us to go out and preach the word of God not just pastors he, he really has put all these different offices in there but he said you go and make disciples and my question to you which I won't ask none of you to hold up your hand but I'm going to tell you, when I was a deacon for the first 20 years of my life as a deacon, if you would have said, how many of you have led at least one to Christ this year? I couldn't have held up my hand as a deacon in a Baptist church. As a Sunday school teacher in a Baptist church, I could not have held up my hand to say I've led one person to Christ this year. Is that a sad state of affairs? But I was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. I was what the church was considered way above a normal disciple. I mean, here I am a teacher in the Sunday school class. I am a deacon in a Baptist church. I'm going on Tuesday night visitations to win people or to bring people to church. But have I ever led anybody to Christ? No. Had I ever done anything powerful for the kingdom of God? Had I know there was demons? Did I ever got anybody healed or, or done anything? like? I had done nothing. I had produced zero fruit for the kingdom of God. But why? I'll tell you why. Because I had never read the book and believed it. The book had always been right here. It had never made that trip to here. But when the Word of God becomes an owner's manual, moves from right here to right here, then I don't care who you are. I mean, I can remember remember when I was an engineer in the workplace. I didn't care if it was VPs, CEOs. I mean, it didn't make any difference who they were. I treated every one of them exactly the same. I didn't care. You know, I was a man of God, and I can remember one time when a VP, and if he was here today, I would tell this story, and this is on this tape, and he may hear it someday. It makes no difference. I can remember when a VP that I worked for as a regional engineer, I tried because we had a big uh, dish room out there at DFW Airport where they washed thousands of dishes with all that hot equipment. We had a bunch of underprivileged people, people that can't do nothing else. I mean, educated people don't do these kind of jobs. I mean, people that have no education, people that have been physically or mentally handicapped, they work in that section because they can do it. 
but it was miserable in there. I put a thermometer in there several times and it run 104 to 110 all day long in that high humidity areas. And I went to the VP and I said, I need $10,000 to put a couple of nice air conditioners in there to cool that room where then people can get it down to at least 80. He said, no, Thurman, I can't afford it. I said, okay, okay. So one day it was 104 degrees outside like it's been here this week. And I went up on the roof that day and pulled the disconnect on his air conditioner. <laughs> in about an hour, he called said, Thurman, is there something wrong with my air conditioner? I said, well, I'll have to check it for you. He said, it's getting extremely hot in my office. I'm already stripped down to my shirt with my tie and my coat off. And I can't bury it in here. It's so hot. I said, oh, okay. So an hour or two later, Thurman, have you checked my air conditioner? I said, no, sir, I've been extremely busy. I've got some other things going on, but I will get to it. Another hour or two, he called, have you checked my air conditioner? I said, won't you come down here in the dish room? He come down there in the dish room, and I said, you see all these poor little people that sweat? They not a dry thread on them. I said, at least you're still not soaking wet. I said, now, I don't know, you know me as a Christian man. But I said, you may be the VP of this company, but I said, you're standing here with a still got a tie on and a shirt, and you're not soaking wet to the waist, and these young people here, which can't no ever have nothing like you've got, look at these little kids working. They're soaking wet with sweat, plumb to their tips to their toes. I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Work people like that. When a measly $10,000 wouldn't hurt this company at all, and I could make this an 80-degree room and make it comfortable for these people. He said, okay, it is hot. So he said, okay, you can have the money to buy the air conditioner. I said, good, now I'll go up on the roof and turn yours back on. <laughs> he said, you turned my air conditioner off? I said, yes, I wanted to get your attention. He said, you know I could fire you? I said, I know you can do anything, but I know you ain't going to. He said, you're right. You're right. He said, you're the best engineer of God. Ain't no way I'd ever fire you. I said, well, see, I'm not afraid of you or them. It makes no difference because I work for God. But let me tell you what. He gave me the money, and that man learned that I wasn't afraid of him or nobody else. And sometimes I had to treat him worse than I did them to get his attention. But let me tell you, I got, his, I got the money, and I put it in there, and I remember for two or three months the rest of that summer, Every time I'd walk through there after I helped those guys put those air conditioners in and that lowered that temperature to 80 degrees, then people, some of them were Spanish, some of them were other, some of them couldn't speak the language, some of them were mentally, but they all would say, Mr. Scrivener, thank you. Amen. And you know what I could remember? The king says, if you just give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in my name, you will in no wise relieve. You know, you will not lose your reward. What I was doing for that VP wasn't getting me many rewards. But that built me some rewards. Eternal rewards. Now then, this comes to the point where the dividing line is, who are you afraid of, God or man? Well, I ain't afraid of no man. If that man had said, Thurman, you're fired, that's it, I'd have walked off. I knew I could get a job anywhere because I worked for the king of the universe. I had no problem. But let me tell you, if you work for the king of the universe and you work for a company and you save them as much money as I did, there ain't nothing you'll ever do that they'll ever run you off except what you do for Jesus. That'll be the only reason they'll terminate you. And when it comes to that, that 
is a totally different world. They don't care if you're making them 10 million a year if you're not doing it the way they want it done. They'll still fire you because they don't hate Jesus. They hate Jesus. The world hates Jesus. And if you're not serving Jesus, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're serving Jesus, you're going to have some trouble with the world. So just get used to it. But the Lord says here, for those who have done this have entertained angels. And then we go, and then he says, give honor to marriage in verse 4. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Give honor to the marriage and be faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. God will judge you. I don't know about you, but I, I had rather anybody in the world judge me than God. The devil can only kill the flesh. But fear him that after the flesh is dead can cast your soul into hell. And that's the king of kings. There ain't nobody can place you in hell except the king. He will be the judge of both the lost and the saved. And he will know everything you've done when you stand before him one day. So don't do the wrong thing. It ain't going to be no fun for a lot of people. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what we have. For God has said, I will never fail you. How often is the king going to fail you? Never. Never. I will never forsake you. How many times have you heard people say in a prayer, Lord, be with us this week. You wasted your breath. He's always promised to be there, hasn't he, ma'am? Yes. Jesus has always promised to be. Where is he? He's right there. He's in you. The king is in you. You can't get rid of him. If you're a born-again Christian. So you don't have to say, Lord, be with me this week. You're wasting your breath. You could pray for something you needed. Then he says, this is why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Boy, I can't think of a better helper to have than the Lord. Can you? Then that next line there says, so I will not be afraid. Now, see, when you take the Word of God literally, if you really take it literally, you're never afraid of anything. It makes no matter what happens. makes no matter what the circumstances are. Here a while back, I was praying for a woman, and somebody had a box of this water sitting up here on the shelf. And I'm sitting here, standing right here praying for this woman. I was holding her hands, praying for her, and somebody knocked that bottle of water, that case of water, off on the floor. When the fellow said, Bam! Man, I thought she was going to have a runaway. I mean, she jumped like to jerk me down and everything else. And I just kept right on praying. I never missed a word. And when I got through praying, she said, how did you do that? I said, do what? She said, when that case of water hit the ground, didn't that scare you? I said, no. That don't scare me at all. I mean, I'm not moved by my circumstances around me. Are you? Are we moved by our circumstances? If you are, you're not walking in faith. I mean, the Lord says, I will not be afraid. He is with me. If Jesus is with me, now we could see him. When I was talking to Don, I want to go back to his angel, 14 foot tall. 
if I could see the real Jesus today that hovers over the world, the King of Kings, and his power. Of course, he's a man just exactly about the size of you and me. I mean, he's walked on this earth about six foot tall, probably weighs 180 or 190 pounds, but he's a man. And he looks just like a normal man. But if you could see him in his power, when he speaks a word, it says he speaks words daily and it maintains the cosmos, the sun and the stars. Just think, they say that, I forget how many million years it is, but the way the sun's burning right now, in a few million years it's going to burn out. I'm really not concerned. Because the king of kings, my God, every day he can speak and the sun will be just as hot tomorrow as it was today. If you think that baby's burning out, well, it's only been burning a few thousand years as far as we know. And this last week it was pretty hot. Wasn't it? I don't want it to get no hotter, do you? 110, 112, 115, that's about all we want. You know, we might really have to go to speak into our body. But let's ask, how many of us have prayed for rain? Praise God. That's good. Well, we need to keep doing it, don't we? We need to ask the Lord for some rain. He needs to bring us some. The rest of that verse says, What can mere mortals do to me? What can a mere mortal do to you? Nothing. Don't be afraid of nobody but Jesus. I didn't realize it's 4.30. I guess time goes by in a hurry when you're having fun. But I know you all don't want to stay all day. But... uh, Anyway, Jesus is never gone from us. He's always there. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. The king is in you. He defeated the devil for you 2,000 years ago, and he sprinkled that wonderful blood so that we can come to him anytime and say, Lord, I messed up, forgive me. And he said, that's it, okay. You're clean again. Now come on, let's do something in faith. Walk in faith. Now under the new covenant, Whatever we ask for in faith, he will do it. Whatever you say with your mouth, he'll do it. So let positive words come out of your mouth. No negative words. I mean, it makes no what the devil tries to put upon you. Don't go there with that beast. Don't ever go by symptoms. So I hear people all the time come in and say, my arthritis or my pneumonia. or They claim it. It's from the enemy. Remind the devil, your body is not yours. It belongs to the king. And he promised to heal it and quote those verses to him and thank him for doing it and then believe it's done. And don't keep praying over it. Believe it's done, then just begin to thank him and praise him for your answer. You can thank him and praise him a million times a day if you want to. He loves that. But don't keep begging him for do something. If you ask him once, hey, that ought to be good enough. Then after that, just thank him for it. And if you do... Those prayers are unbelievable, David. To most Christians and to the world for sure, aren't they? You go pray for somebody and they get better? That's unbelievable. Hey, that's why we don't see God do nothing. We don't believe it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And Lord, that you're our Lord and our God and that you are really our Lord and our God. And we love you, Lord, and we praise you and we thank you. Now, Lord, if people come up, those that need to be prayed for, somebody needs to make a decision to make Jesus Lord of their life, we ask you to bring them forth. And any kind of decision or anything anybody needs, we'll be up here. And, Lord, you bring them up. We'll pray for them for whatever the needs are.
and we know you're going to meet those needs because you're our king and our Lord. We want to thank you in advance for saving and healing and delivering every person that comes up with a need today or meeting the need of every person. Whatever that need may be, I know that need is met in the name of Jesus because you promised it. So, Father, as we go from this point, we ask you to bless everybody this week. Send them out as disciples to do something good for you. Let them go out and make disciples. When they come back next week, let them have led somebody to Jesus this week, this next week. Now, Father, we thank you for being our Lord and our God. And bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.